Michelle Sparks with you, illuminating anorexia, eating, self and body issues. Great to have your company. Today I want to speak to you about a map or a model that helps to explain how an eating disorder functions. And the reason I believe this is so important is because when you are lost or in the dark or you cannot see why you are stuck, you need to you need a map. You need some light, you need a picture, a model, something that can help you see, wait a minute, this is what's happening. Okay, it it helps you to situate yourself. And the reason I believe this is so important is because I know in my own journey and I know as I have shared this map, this model over many years, both to counsellors and youth workers and people working with people who are struggling with eating issues and other issues as well. Um, as I've shared it with helping professionals and as I've shared it with uh, mums and dads, as I've shared it with uh, people struggling, it's like, wow, okay, I can see something now that I couldn't see before. And what you're basically seeing is what I've been saying previously, that what you're currently doing in terms of controlling food and body weight, when you get stuck on that cycle of endless restrictions, only to find that they are unsustainable and so then you lose control and then you do something that that causes fear it causes anxiety it causes guilt anger it causes some emotions you'll typically label yourself as hopeless or a failure because your grid has become locked into this very black and white I'm either on the diet controlling food controlling my weight or I'm not I'm successful or I'm a failure I'm worthwhile or I'm worth less. And you you come into this very black and white way of seeing and judging yourself. That's not where you start, but it's where the eating disordered solution will take you. And the reason this is so important to see this, you know, I'm speaking to you about it. I'm uh, articulating something that I think is way better seen. I believe a picture is worth a thousand words and so this map or this model that I created a long time ago um, really helps you see at a glance that the heart of the issue is the heart it's how we see think and feel inside ourselves, what we believe about our worth our value our right to take up space and that that way of seeing ourselves those beliefs that sit deeply in our heart come or are shaped by our self-experience, the experience we've had earlier in life and more recently. And it's not about blaming people or situations, it's simply about seeing, hey, this is a very understandable way of responding to challenging self and life experience. When pain comes our way it is natural to protect against it and a very understandable way to protect against pain directed at the self or experienced within the self is to try and control it and food and weight control offer us a very easy way to start to control what feels uncontrollable the problem is Although it starts out initially to give us a positive feedback, we usually feel pretty good when things first begin. We are getting positive reinforcement from our friends, family, the culture, because we're more disciplined. We are um, 
you know, exercising more self-control. We are feeling successful and competent because we're doing something successfully. You know, there's a lot that can really reinforce our behavior in the beginning as we begin to restrict our food and we start to control our weight and our body in these ways. But over time, that ability to control both food, body weight, becomes increasingly difficult to sustain because bodies are not designed to starve and emotions are not designed to be suppressed. So guess what? You will come to a place where that deprivation that you have placed upon yourself, you will start to rebel against that emotionally and physically. Physically, you'll lose control and you'll start to eat more than you planned or eat foods that you weren't planning to eat. And at that point, depending on how much you've bought into the the cycle, I must keep on this rigid cycle of food restrictions, weight restrictions, the more you've bought into that, the more... Um, extreme probably your thinking will be about your your whether you're a failure or you know you'll have some labels that you will direct towards yourself your thinking will be heightened in terms of it will be negative and critical towards yourself the more you buy into the importance of maintaining food and weight control the more that voice that um, critic which can really grow to extreme proportions as you go down the scales in anorexia. I don't want to get sidetracked. There's always so much to say on all of these points, but what I'm trying to say very simply here is that what starts out as a solution ends up becoming the problem of the disordered eating or eating disorder. So in this book that I've just, you know, written, Illuminating Eating Disorder Recovery, I give a brief synopsis of uh, my journey into anorexia. And what I say at the end of all of that is that basically anxiety fueled my food control solution and my food control solution compounded my anxiety. So I just explain the various circumstances that were going on in my young adolescent, early teen life. And there were surface issues, Uh, Things like being rejected by my peers, putting on pubertal weight, getting chased by a guy who definitely meant me no good. And, um, you know, that certainly affected my sense of safety and security. Deeper down, there was stuff going on at home. I was aware of parental stress, particularly my mum's. I'm the middle child of five. She would say things and, and I could see that she was stressed and struggling to cope with the uh you know, managing a busy household of kids. And, you know, it was really interesting to look back and see that I believe my mum could have shared some of that stress more effectively with my dad, but she didn't. And I presume that that was because something I learnt later in my life is that when she had been a young woman, she had watched the father that she loved die of a heart attack due to stress at his workplace, secondary distress at his workplace. And uh, when I was a young adolescent and going through, uh, you know, the early development of my anorexia, I believe my dad was in a stressful job. And my mum, I believe, was trying to protect him from the stresses she faced at home, trying to manage the needs and demands of five busy, active kids. Now, I'm the middle of five kids. I'm the only one that seemed to take that message and messages and and run towards anorexia. But you know, that's shaped not just by one um, 
factor. There's many layers and factors. There's my personality. There's my individual history and sensitivity, you know. There's my uh, position in the family, like I'm the middle of five. So, for example, in this situation, when I'm talking about those deeper issues that were kind of under the surface of the triggers. So there were triggers in my surface um, life, things like getting rejected by my peers, getting chased by a guy, becoming more aware of the world at large and some of the issues of my day were things like um, nuclear, the threat of nuclear war and communism, the proliferation and use of drugs amongst my school friends, things that just made me feel a little uncertain about the world into which I was growing as a young adult. So there was just that happening on the surface. But deeper down, and closer to the core of my heart and the development of my anorexia was this sense that there was stress in the family, particularly for my mum. And as a middle child of five, I was right there in the kitchen after school, just perfectly positioned to hear her cries for help. That's how I would label them. You know, you don't care how hard I have to work. You'll be the end of me. You'll be sorry when I'm gone. She would say things that would indicate to me that she was stressed. Now, I do not blame my mother for these kind of throwaway lines. She was needing more support. And I believe if um, perhaps she hadn't seen her dad die of a stress-related heart attack, maybe she could have shared that stress with my father more effectively. And maybe there would have been something else that would have unfolded in my family. But as it was, she did you know, put out that stress into the, <laughs> the atmosphere at home and I would pick it up. Now, she couldn't know this, but I was already primed by my sensitive personality, by my position in the family, but also by something that had happened to me earlier in my life that mum would never have even been aware of, and that was that I was holding myself responsible for someone drowning when I was six years old. Now, it's a long story. You can read more about it in Illuminating Anorexia. It's a very interesting story. I think it certainly uh, explains my propensity to be anxious about doing the right thing. And, um, you know, when I, I felt like mum was struggling to cope, I felt like, wow, I really need to step up my game because I cannot afford for you to go or leave or die. You know, when you're a kid, you think in those kind of um, very egocentric ways. So long story short, there were things going on at the surface and there were things going on deeper down, but all of those things, all of those factors combined to contribute to me feeling anxious as a young adolescent moving into my teens. And the way I started to manage that anxiety was to control my food intake and my weight. I also tried to be good across the board. I tried to be a good student, a good daughter, you know, I was trying to be good on every level because I felt like that would help things at home. But the more I tried to be good in all sorts of areas, the more I started to clamp down on food and weight control because everything else felt a lot more nebulous, a lot harder to define. Whereas controlling calories and kilograms was very easy to measure. You know, it gives you a real sense of security. It gives you something very measurable to focus on if you are feeling anxious. What I'm saying there is that I believe eating disorders and disordered eating problems are a very understandable response to challenging self and life experience. And I believe at the very heart of an eating disorder is anxiety. 
And you know, you don't have to start with a high level of anxiety to start on the path of food control, food restrictions. But what will happen is as you go along that path and you cannot maintain successfully the food restrictions and therefore you try and you up the ante and try to control more, you'll actually be spinning your wheels. You'll be chasing your tail because you'll lose control and your efforts to regain control, it will just ramp up until you find yourself really in a nasty position where you are judging yourself according to your performance, your ability to control calories, your food intake, how much you weigh, how you look. This will become the parameters of how you judge yourself. And that is what creates the eating disorder or disordered eating problem. So anxiety propels it and then as you get locked on that solution the anxiety is compounded and you find yourself in the territory of an eating disorder or disordered eating problem. That's a lot to say but you know what I've created a model. I call it Mishi's model because it's something I developed in the late 90s and uh, it's available for you to see in this ebook and the reason I'm saying that is because right now this ebook is available for free and I think it's a great opportunity if you are struggling in this area or you know someone who is struggling in this area. I just uh, with all my heart, I encourage you to get hold of this ebook because it will show you it's a picture that explains everything I was just trying to tell you just then. And there's some explanation, obviously, in the text as well. But I would love to hear how you relate to that if you are struggling with disordered eating. Your story will be different to mine, but I wonder how you relate to the model. And I wonder if it will help turn on the light for you so that you can see, hey, I am stuck on this cycle and I am never going to get where I want to go. Therefore, what can I begin to do to take a different direction, to move away from eating disorder bondageville and to start to move towards freedom land. And I want to tell you, you can get there, but the very first step is to see. And I believe this map, this model that I've developed and that is in this ebook will really help you see at a glance how an eating disorder functions, why it will never take you where you want to go and what you can begin to do now to begin to recover your life. And I've got a whole lot more help that I can offer you in that domain. But first things first, I really encourage you, jump on Amazon, type in Illuminating Eating Disorder Recovery, or type in my name, Michelle Sparks, that's Michelle with two L's and Sparks with an E-S. You can come to my website, michellesparks.com forward slash ebook and that will also take you to this free um, ebook opportunity promotion that Amazon are running. So just want to put that out there today and wish you well. Travel well between now and next time I speak to you. Love your feedback. Love to hear how you find the information I'm sharing with you. And um, yeah, love your questions. I will address those as we go forward in this podcast. So until next time, travel well. <music>